0: This morning's scripture reading is Psalm 8, on page 546 in the Blue Bibles. Page 546, Psalm 8. For the director of music, according to Gittith, a psalm of David. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. In all the earth, you have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. In all the earth.
1: Good morning. Thank you so much for reading for us, Andrew. Let me pray as we begin. Father, thank you so much for your word and for what you teach us in it about ourselves. And about you, uh, we pray that you'd help us to uh, to have a better understanding um, of what it means um, to be human. And we pray that you would give us soft hearts to receive your word, and that your spirit would be ministering in our hearts. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Is there anything special about humanity? Is there anything special about humanity? Alan Lightman, uh, an agnostic professor at MIT in the U.S., says, our consciousness and our self-awareness create an illusion that we are made out of some special substance, that we have some kind of special ego power, some i-ness, some unique existence. But in fact, we are nothing but bones, tissues, gelatinous membranes, neurons, electrical impulses, and chemicals. He goes on to say, We are a bunch of atoms, like trees and like donuts." The philosopher Martha Nussbaum writes in the New York Times, We humans are very self-focused. We tend to think that being human is somehow very special and important. So we ask about that. Instead of asking what it means to be an elephant or a pig or a bird, for Newspam, we shouldn't even be asking the question, what is it to be human? In her opinion, we're really not all that special. Yet why is it that we feel special? Why is it that I think most of us would value human life more than we do animal life? Even if people in our culture say that there's nothing special about humans... I think they very rarely live as though that were the case. So Peter Singer is a bioethics professor at Princeton University, and he's argued that a right to life only comes with rational self-awareness. And so in his view, a fully developed chimpanzee is worth, has more value than a six-month-old baby, for example. And he argues that uh, it is appropriate to euthanize people uh, who, for example, have um, advanced Alzheimer's or dementia. So that's his beliefs. Now, it turns out that um, Peter Singer's mother developed, sadly, she developed Alzheimer's and reached a stage where she could no longer recognize her son, Peter. And it turns out that he was paying expensive, he was paying for her expensive nursing care. So uh, a journalist who interviewed him asked him, "Why why do you do that? And he said, it's different when it's your mother. Regardless of what people might say, the truth is, deep down, the vast majority of us do not live as though humans were not exceptional. So what is it that makes us feel special? This is the feeling that David had when he looked up at the night sky. Did you notice his question during the reading? Have a look at verse 4. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them? Is it right for us as humans to feel special? I think the answer is yes. It's right, because God cares about humans. That's our first point. God cares for humanity. Now, I want to clarify up front that by saying that God cares for humanity, I'm not saying that God doesn't care at all about animals, for example. He does. We'll see that later on. But God cares about humans in a unique way, and it's It's this care towards humanity that leaves David completely gobsmacked. Now, what prompted such awe in David? Have a look at verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You can picture David lying on his back in the fields, looking up at the star-studded sky in amazement. I was recently in Northern Ireland in the countryside, and, um, and I was struck by how many stars you can actually see there at night. So our view of the stars here in Banford isn't that great because of uh, the light pollution. But when you're somewhere with much less light-polluted sky, um, on a clear evening, the naked eye is able to see somewhere around 5000 stars which sounds like a lot right but it's nothing compared to the number of stars that we actually have in our galaxy which is over 100 billion and it's even less impressive when compared to the number of stars that are uh, estimated to exist in our universe something like 100 billion trillion I, my head can't even get Round, that sort of number. Now, of course, David did not know that, that were, there were that many stars in the universe. He lived before we had things like Hubble um, or James Webb. But he could look up at the sky and appreciate something of its vastness. And it made him wonder why God would possibly care about humanity. Did you know that? If earth were the size of a grain of sand, the sun would be the size of a snooker ball, and our solar system would be the width of three football fields. That's how tiny our planet is compared to our solar system. Imagine how uh, how minuscule it is compared to uh, the rest of our galaxy, and then compared to the entire universe, which scientists say has around 200 billion galaxies. Why on earth does God care for us? On a cosmic level, we are so insignificant. Now, before I, I turn to answer that question, um, I want to highlight why it is right for humanity to consider itself special. We are special because God, the one who created the entire cosmos, cares about us. God cares about us. Now, notice how that is different from thinking we're special because, um, ha- as News has argued, We are narcissistic uh, navel gazers. Now, look, if that's why we feel special, then yeah, I I think I agree with her. We probably shouldn't. But I think we can feel special because, because we're cared for by God. It's a bit like how someone in a relationship feels special because of the care and attention they receive from the person they love. Is it wrong for them to feel, to feel that way? No, we'd say it's right for them to feel that way. If, if you truly love someone and, and care for them, and they feel special, you're hardly going to go narcissist. You're not going to do that. You're going to be delighted that you make them feel the way they do. And similarly, I think we can feel special because God cares for us. God I think he wants us to feel that way. And why does he care for us? This is the answer. This is the question David goes on to address in the second half of the psalm. Here's why God cares for humanity. Because he created humanity in his image. Have a look at me at verse five. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Why does God care for humanity? Because he lovingly made us in his image. David seems here to be reflecting on, on Genesis 1. And he says that we've been crowned with glory and honor. Folks, who, who is usually described using those words? God. God is usually described in this way as having glory and honor. Yet, incredibly, we find. David describing humanity in this way. Friends, what is it that makes humanity special? We are made in the image of God. So this means we can feel special because God cares for us, and we can know that we really are special because humanity alone is made in the image of God. Now, the implications of of this are huge. Because we are made in God's image, as Christians, we believe in things like human rights. Now, I'm not suggesting that non-Christians do not believe or do not support human rights. Thankfully, many, many do. You can probably think of um, people who do. But as Christians... We have something that grounds our support for human rights. So we believe that to mistreat or harm another human is to to violate one of God's image bearers. But if all you believe that a human is, is a bunch of atoms, then what basis do you have for arguing that killing someone is wrong? Oh, but it feels wrong. That's not a good argument. And what basis do you have for arguing that it is uh, wrong to cull the number of humans on Earth due to global uh, overpopulation? In one of the Marvel movies, one of the villains, uh, Thanos, he, he wants to do half, half the population of the planet because he thinks that will make life better for everyone who remains. Now, I, asked, I once asked an atheist uh, what she thought of that. Why would that be wrong? And she couldn't answer the question. As Christians, we can say why that would be wrong. You see, without the imago Dei, that is, the belief that humans bear the image of God and therefore have intrinsic worth, it becomes almost impossible to argue for human rights. Yes, look, many have tried, but their arguments almost always fail. I recently read about Sarah Irving Stonebaker, one of Peter Singer's students, uh, no less. And she came, from a, she came to faith from an atheistic background. And she said that initially, it was in part due to her inability to reconcile her, her atheistic worldview with her beliefs about humanity. So she writes this, the premise of human equality is not a self-evident truth. It is profoundly historically contingent. I began to realize that the implications of my atheism were incompatible with almost every value I held dear. although many people in our society believe in human rights, I think they do so probably because of the vestiges of of Christendom, rather than because they have a, a robust worldview that enables them to. You see, I think, unlike Sarah, many of them simply haven't thought through the implications of their atheism. And to be honest... It's it's not easy to tell how long our secular society will be able to continue holding on to its support for for human rights when they're no longer tethered to Christianity. One political scientist says that also with the, the West's influence on the global stage waning and China's increasing, concern for human rights will probably decline. Now, look, I hope he's wrong, but I think you can see how he he came to that conclusion. Folks, because God created humanity in his image, every single human life is valuable. So it doesn't matter, for example, how old you are, what race you are, or what gender you are. You are valuable because you are made in God's image. Every human is. And what does it mean to be made in God's image? It means, at least in part, to rule the world. This is what David says in verse 6. You see, God is a sovereign ruler over all, but he has made us his vice regents. Now, let's be Let's be clear. God's commission to us to rule is not permission for us to exploit his creation. That's how some have mistakenly interpreted uh, these verses. But we are not taught or encouraged to exploit. These verses are about us being good stewards of creation. That's what it means to rule. So I think this means... When, when it comes to an issue like climate change, for example, that's not something that we should be indifferent to. If an increase in the, um, in the global average temperature is going to make living conditions for people and for animals worse or endanger some animal species, then I think we shouldn't just shrug our shoulders. I think we should be concerned about that, and we should seek to do something about it. Now, I'm not saying you should go throw a can of soup at a Van Gogh or, or glue yourself to the M25, but we should be concerned about it. Is it right for us to feel special as humans? Yes, it is, despite what people like Leitman and Newspam um, say. We are cared for by God, and He created us in His image. But that's not all that there is to say about God's care for humanity. So far, we've only considered God's care for humanity in a general sense. But in our psalm, we also see that God cares for a a subset of humanity in a a specific sense. He has a specific care for them. Have a look with me at verse 2. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Who do we see God's care directed towards here? It's towards children and infants. In other words, it's towards the weak, the powerless, those who are dependent. These are the people we find praising God. So far we've seen that God cares for humanity because he created them in his image. Now we see that it is powerless humans who praise him. And he cares for them by being their stronghold. This is our third point. Powerless humans praise God. He is their stronghold. I don't know for how many... um, of of the talks in the series and the Psalms you've been to. But in Psalms 3 to 7, we we saw David on the run. He was fleeing from his enemies. And it's hardly the picture of the king that you'd expect, especially in light of Psalm 2, where we learn that the king is going to be powerful and mighty. And so by the time we we reach Psalm 8, we might be scratching our heads thinking, what on earth is going on with this king? I think in verse 2, David is admitting that he feels powerless. I don't think he's talking about some people out there, over there, who are powerless. I think he's speaking of himself. He feels powerless, like a child or an infant. David needs God to be his stronghold, to be his fortress, his refuge. David's showing us here what it looks like to depend on God. And it's similar to how maybe a a baby depends on their mother. It's in their mother's arms that the baby is safe. And it's in God's arms that we are safe. Now, this psalm gets picked up in several places in the New Testament. One of those places is in Matthew 21. So Jesus quotes uh, verse 2 in Matthew 21. Jesus is in the temple, and he's healing the blind and the lame who are coming to him. And the children are shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna means save us, rescue us. And son of David means God's king. God's king, save us. And the chief priests and the teacher of the law, they're all there and they are fuming. Not only are they upset because Jesus has just cleared the temple, having overturned tables and driven out all who are buying and selling there, but also because he's being recognized as God's king. And people are calling on him. To save them. Jesus is in the temple. And who is the center of attention? It's him. He is the main attraction. People are coming to him for healing and salvation. In short, people are finding Jesus to be a stronghold. But who are those who are coming to him for refuge? It's the blind, the lame, children. They're the ones who are praising him. And they're the ones to whom he's being a stronghold. You see, the, the influential and the powerful, they want nothing to do with him. Jesus is a stronghold for the powerless. Friends, do we regularly acknowledge our need of Jesus? We will only come to him if we feel like we are helpless and need him to be our refuge. In this verse, we read about foes and enemies. We might have many enemies. But the biggest we have by far, according to the Bible, is It's sin and death. Sin and death can destroy us and we are powerless to defeat them. But there is someone who can shield us from them. If we come to Jesus and praise him, we will be safe from the eternal consequences of our sin and death. You see, Jesus removes our guilt and declares us righteous and he gives us eternal life. What an amazing stronghold he is. I wonder if you are praising him for the refuge that he provides. If you're not, it's not too late to start doing that today. Jesus saves all those who praise and it's no wonder. I think that people are doing that all over the world this morning. Jesus isn't some local deity, He's the God of the universe. His name is majestic, His name is excellent over the entire globe. Lord our Lord, how majestic! Is your name in all the earth? Let's pray. Father, when we think of just how massive the universe is and how insignificant our world looks. It is mind-blowing that you care for us. Father, thank you so much that you've created us in your image, and therefore we have value, we have dignity. Father, help us to live in light of this truth. We pray that that would mean um, we care about our fellow humans and how we treat them and how we care for them. We care for things like human rights and things like that. And help us, as your vice regents, to to rule well to your glory. And thank you so much that we have a stronghold in Jesus. And that he shields us from the consequences that our sin deserves. Thank you so much for him. Help us to rejoice in him this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, we're now going to sing.